Hi, I'm Lauren Hansen, multimedia editor at TheWeek.com, and today I thought we might dive into the political philosophy of presidential candidate Bernie Sanders. Sanders calls himself a democratic socialist, and he's explained what that means on several occasions. Here's a snippet from a recent debate. And what democratic socialism is about is saying that it is immoral and wrong that the top one-tenth of one percent in this country own almost as much wealth as the bottom 90 percent. Sanders believes government should aggressively use taxes and social programs to limit income inequality and provide things like health care, daycare, and college education, all for free. But Sanders also believes in some level of private enterprise, particularly when it pertains to working and middle-class people. Government should not always own the means of production, which is where Sanders differs from socialism generally. Broadly speaking, socialism is a political and economic system in which the means of production are owned by the community as a whole, with government ensuring that wealth is distributed equally. But to better understand Sanders and his popularity, let's dive into the history of socialism. Socialism began as a response to the dire poverty and inhumane working conditions in industrialized Europe in the early 19th century. One of the first thinkers to be called a socialist was a man named Robert Owen. Owen was an idealistic Welsh mill owner, and in the 1820s he created a number of short-lived utopian communities in Britain and the American West. But socialism really took off in the 1850s, with the rise of labor unions and the published works of German philosopher Karl Marx. It was actually those Marxist German immigrants who brought socialism to America. They spearheaded the establishment of the Socialist Labor Party in 1876, and from there socialism spread pretty quickly. The first socialist was elected to public office a few years shy of the turn of the 20th century, and the Socialist Party of America was formed very soon after that. Over the next two decades, the Socialist Party of America would go on to elect two U.S. congressmen, dozens of state legislators, and more than 100 mayors. The face of the Socialist Party of America was Eugene V. Debs, a fiery railroad union leader who ran for president five times. In the 1912 presidential election, he managed to garner 6% of the vote, which isn't too shabby. But America's entry into World War I didn't mix well with socialist policies. The Socialist Party opposed America's war efforts, and the party was widely condemned as unpatriotic. In 1917, Congress passed the Espionage Act, making it a crime to speak out against the war or oppose the draft. Thousands of socialists were arrested, including Eugene Debs, who went to jail after giving an impassioned anti-war speech. Here's a little clip read by the actor Mark Ruffalo. The working class who freely shed their blood and furnished their corpses have never yet had a voice in either declaring war or making peace. It is the ruling class that invariably does both. Meanwhile, Russia's Bolshevik revolution caused a red scare in the U.S. Suspected communist radicals were rounded up and jailed long before they could start a similar workers' revolt in the States. Some Americans even went so far as to demand an end to immigration from Italy and Eastern Europe, the hotbeds of communist sentiment. 
But it's important to remember here that socialism is not the same thing as communism. Karl Marx had envisioned communism as a higher and purer form of socialism, where private property would become obsolete, class distinctions would dissolve, and goods and services would flow freely from each according to his ability to each according to his needs. But in communist countries, Marx's idealistic vision produced a really grim reality. In the Soviet Union, China, and Cuba, economic growth stalled, and an authoritarian ruling class kept whatever meager wealth the country produced for itself by murderous suppression. Over the decades, socialism has taken many forms, from Soviet-style communism and Latin American dictatorships to a European hybrid of socialistic and capitalistic democracy. In the U.S., socialism fell far out of favor in the 1920s. But many of Eugene Debs' ideas, from banning child labor to instituting unemployment insurance, were co-opted by major political parties. And socialistic principles can be found in programs that are deeply embedded in contemporary American society, like Social Security and Medicare. Today, Americans have conflicting feelings about socialism, which has largely dwelled on the margins of American politics. That is, of course, until it was revived by the campaign of Democratic presidential contender Bernie Sanders. What this campaign is about and what I believe in is creating a government that works for all of us, not just a handful of people on the top. Sanders' message of equality has grabbed hold of a younger demographic who has no memory of the Soviet Union or the Cold War. These young people came of age during and after the 2008 financial crisis and feel great economic insecurity. So this novel-to-their-ears proposal to share the wealth sounds less like a threat and more like a promise. This land is your land, and this land is my land, from the California to the New York Island, and the Red For more on this story, go to theweek.com slash audio. If you'd like to listen to more of the Week's Daily Podcast, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and Stitcher. And if you like what you hear, we'd love it if you could take a moment to rate our podcast on iTunes. I'm Lauren Hansen, and thank you so much for listening.